This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan London. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, you're going to be hearing a lot of pop culture talk over the next hour. Uh, when I started Geekscape back in 2005, six, I said I want to interview people about pop culture. And that's kind of what we've been doing for the last 16 years. Um, my guest this week is Tony Fleece. I hope you're familiar with Tony because I've been telling you to read his book, Stray Dogs from Image for at least the last two years. And he's got a brand new book called Local Man, which I'm really in love with. It's got a ton of pathos. It's, uh, well, we are all there during the whole image situation in the 90s when Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and Mark Silvestri books and all those amazing books that uh, were part of our uh, comic book adolescence, I want to say, or at least teenage years. Um, They influenced us. And then I feel like comics just kind of moved on we went into the bad girl era and then we went into like the writer focused era that kind of came around the turn of the century and we look back i look back at those uh topic mcfarlane and rob liefeld image books from the very beginning of image very fondly but what if you're one of the characters in those books and you go back home after um a disgracing event and your town doesn't want anything to do with you uh they tell you to kick rocks and you're not welcome around here but hey, you're one of these superheroes that had a great team and had saved the world several times over. Uh, that's kind of the soft pitch for Local Man. I love this book. We're going to talk to Tony about it. And of course, we're going to talk Stray Dogs because that's a book, again, I've been recommending for years. Uh, a little bit of bookkeeping here on Geekscape. Sorry, I haven't been here the last two weeks. Thanks to Christian Blatt and John for filling in last week. And if you haven't heard that episode, and I'm worried you haven't because the numbers are have dipped Maybe because I wasn't hosting it, but that is no excuse. That episode is excellent. Christian and John sat down with Kenny Johnson, who's been on the show before, who co-created, he created V, the TV show. He was showrunner of The Incredible Hulk, The Million Dollar Man. Uh, I think he co-created Alien Nation. Like this guy's TV resume for genre TV in the 80s is untouchable. And he gave... Christian and John an hour and a half talking about V because it turns 40 years this May and the stories that came out of that interview had my jaw dropped the entire weekend listening to this thing. So please, after you're done listening to me talk to Tony, flip one episode back on the feed because you're subscribing. Of course, you better be subscribing to Geekscape and listen to that Kenny Johnson episode. I wish I could have hosted it. I'm glad at this point I didn't because Christian and John did a great job and got some amazing stories out of Kenny. And uh, I loved it. The other piece of uh, bookkeeping is Geekscape Games, our video game show, has changed its name to Dynamic Resolution. I think that's a Geekscape, like, I think that's a video game inside joke. I don't know. But uh, Shane is excited about the name change. If you're looking for video game talk on the Geekscape Network, Dynamic Resolution is the name of the Geekscape show. Uh Geekscape Games has changed its names, which is great. Uh, all the shows here on the Geekscape Network are independent. They, I don't own them. Uh, they can come and go as they wish. And if they want to be a part of Geekscape and the community that we have between podcasters here, uh, we love that. So search for Geekscape on any podcatchers, and maybe you'll find one of our shows, and it'll 
um, it'll be the, the show for you. But we're talking all comic books on this episode coming back with Tony Fleece. Uh, let's get it started. All right, Geekscapers, let's get right to it. Uh, I'm super excited about this guest, Tony uh, Fleece, uh, because, again, Stray Dogs is a, show, is, a, is a book that you should have been reading for the last two years because um, I was instantly a fan upon reading the first issue. I learned about it because our good friend Tony Rodriguez, who's been a part of this show and who I've harassed on camera at Comic-Cons from the very beginning, uh, was a part of it, is a part of it. And uh, I recently talked to him at LA Comic Con, uh, and he said, "Hey, you got to get Tony on the show." Tony uh, was signing this new book, "Local Man," at my local comic book shop. I made a point to come by his signing and harass the man, and then follow up online and harass him online to come on the show. And he's here with us today after much harassment from yours truly. Uh, Tony, thanks for coming on the show despite my harassment. Yeah, man, I love harassment. That's how you can really get a hold of me. It's just, you know, come at me, dog. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't encourage them. Don't encourage them. You don't, you don't, I mean, we have Geekscapists like Frank Sanders, who was such an enthused Geekscape uh, listener that he uh, took a photo shoot wearing a Geekscape t shirt amidst his entire arsenal of guns and sent those pictures to me. And yeah, that was a bit alarming. So don't, you don't, you, you don't want what Geekscape's got. Well, that uh, seems threatening. Yeah, you know, <laughs> verbal harassment mostly. That's fine. Um, so, Tony, like I know Tone really well, and Tone speaks highly of you. And when I saw his name on Stray Dogs, uh, I'm, uh, I had to pick up this book, especially because the the pitch for it was Homeward Bound meets Silence of the Lambs. Uh, how would you describe Stray Dogs? Because well, we're going to talk about it a little bit, and then I want to rewind a little bit, learn a little bit about you and how you came up in comics. Uh, but the Geese Cave is at this point should be reading Stray Dogs. There's some Stray Dogs fans watching. Uh, what's your pitch for Stray Dogs and where did it come from? Uh, all right. So here's the pitch I do for Stray Dogs when I'm at Comic-Con or at a signing or whatever. Uh, there's a group of dogs. They all live in a house together. Um, all different shapes and sizes and breeds of dogs. Uh, boy girls, boy, boy dogs, girl dogs, old dogs, young dogs. And uh, they all have dog brains, not like people brains. So they're not, uh, you know, they're not like cartoon characters where they know like, you know, pop culture references and stuff like this. And they they don't have great memories. So none of them remember that their master is actually a serial killer who collects dogs from his victims. And each one of them is a trophy that he's taken from one of his uh, from one of his murder scenes. That's the pitch for it. That's sort of what, what you get in the first issue. So spoilers. Uh, but then it's a story about like, how do these dogs who don't have thumbs, can't open doors, can't speak, you know, how do they get out of this situation? How do they stop this? How do they stop him from killing again? 
basically. And how do they learn the situation? Like how and, and accept the situation again, because dogs I, I guess have short memories, at least they do here. And what I love about it in Geekscape is I immediately read the first issue and this is what I would do when I'd get it. I would pass it over to Heidi. You know, I'd read it in bed, I'd pass it over to Heidi and be like, you got to read this because the artwork brings you in because uh, it reminds you of those classic Disney animations. Uh, I mean, it, it is cartoonish in that sense. And there's also that Muppet Babies aspect where you don't see any of the humans be, like above the knees, right? This is all from the dog's perspectives. Um, and But I got to tell you, Tony, like things are kind of eerie in that first issue and then things get very serious. And there was a point where I said, sweetie, I'm not passing you this comic. I think I think it's time out for for Stray Dogs for you because I, this will upset you. There's some st- there is some upsetting stuff in sh- Stray Dogs because the circumstances are so high. Again, they're in a uh, serial killer house and they need to figure out how to get out. <laughs> it's awesome, man. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I mean the the premise the premise sort of was born out. Of, I had the idea of a serial killer that took people's dogs as trophies. Um, and then I didn't, I wasn't quite sure how to like, how I should tell, like how I would tell that story or if that was even something I would do until the idea of telling it from the dog's point of view and doing it sort of like an Oliver and company or like a Rover Dangerfield mm-hmm. you know, type type setting, but just with the serial killer also. Um, once I, once I realized that it was all from the dog's point of view and, and we were like strictly in the dog's point of view, then that sort of clarified everything. But the, the, the idea was always it's a looks like an animated movie reads like a horror movie, you know? And so built into that is, yeah, it's going to get, it's going to get rough and, and people, you know, we, we make these dogs as adorable and as lovable as possible. And then like, like they do in good, you know, scary movies or, or horror stories is like the, the one you love the most is going to get it. And, that, and then you're going to be, you know, Eat more invested or you're going to throw the thing across the room. But either way, I feel like that it's sort of had an effect on you. That that was really what our fear was going in. Now I'm just filibustering. No, no, this is the place to filibuster. Well, this is the place to promote for sure. And, and I agree with everything you're saying. I found it to be incredibly engaging. And again, if you do not have those stakes, if you're, if you're not losing a couple members of the party, your villain doesn't really have a whole lot of oomph. Right. Well, yeah, and because we're telling it from the dog's point of view, like even and and it's that thing where people, uh, they if you kill a person, that's one thing, but if you like if you hurt a dog, that's a completely different thing. So it's like we show this by like killing women, you know, like from issue one, and so it's like all right, well, he's obviously a monster, you know, but but how are people afraid of him? Are people scared at what he might do? And it's not until you get to a certain point in the book that you're like, oh, people are like, we don't know what this guy might do. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the the journey we wanted to take people on. And uh, I, I had the, I knew what the ending was from the beginning. And I felt like if we can get to that, it'll be satisfying enough that like we can earn, you know, we can't, I mean, we can't just have him going ape shit in the middle and just slaughtering dogs left and right. But I feel like you you basically have to tell a story that earns, the sacrifices that you make in the story, right? Like you have to, if, if you, if you feel like you can get to a place where, where it pays for it, then, then you're okay or, or, or not, but <laughs> I, I think we paid for it. You know? and, and what's the relationship with Trish Forstner? Um, y'all co-created it together or you, you talk to me about that. 
Yeah, so like, I had the idea for the book, um, and I knew that I wanted to just write it and not draw it um, because I'd been drawing comics for professionally for uh, probably like 10 years at that point. Um, and I drew stuff real cartoony, like this is something that is sort of in my wheelhouse, but it, I knew that I wanted it to look a very specific way, and it wasn't exactly how I draw, which like I'm sure to the untrained eye, it's sort of like you know six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, but Trish is another artist that also drew My Little Pony comics, which is where I came from. Um, and sh I had seen her do these sort of like very 90s animation inspired pieces, like fan art pieces. And she did a couple drawings that were real Don Bluthy. And so I just said, like, uh, I reached out to her and I said, like, hey, uh, we're going to be at this convention together. Uh, would you like, would you be interested in working on something? And so we just sort of like, we sat down at a, at a My Little Pony convention, and I basically just pitched her the first issue. Like, we sort of, in the middle of all this, like, rainbows and unicorns and stuff, I was just like, all right, so there's a serial murderer. There's a killer of women, and here's what he does, you know, and, and we got into it. And by the time I got done to the, like, to the twist at the end of the first issue, she was like, I, like, I want to, whatever this is, I want to do it. And so she, then we started sending sketches back and forth and she would, you know, she works a full-time job. So she would just doodle in her notepad at work and sort of send me little dog drawings. And we, we sort of built the thing from there. We, over the course of a few years, we, we developed the whole thing and, and drew it and, and uh, at a certain point pitched it to image and, you know, the rest is, uh, is comic books. I love it. And I, and I love the, the Don Bluth stuff. I, I feel like Don Bluth, I feel like the, the drawing style that, Trish brings to it he, the fact that it, it lends itself more to Don Bluth than Walt Disney. With Don Bluth, there was always that hint of there is something a little darker with the Don Bluth yeah. stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, whether it's Rats of Nim or something else, it was always something a little darker. You know, even when he was working at Disney with the Black Cauldron, there was a darker element to his work. And Again, Geekscape, I can't sell this book enough. I've been trying for two years. If you're not picking it up at this point, you're not. This is yeah, your first. Then, then welcome to Geekscape. This is your first episode <laughs> because it's been my job for the last two years to get you to to support it. Um, how much did the work for IDW doing books like My Little Pony or Star Wars Adventure, some of these more uh, kids books? How much did that just say, hey, I want to kill a couple of these bastards? And, <laughs> and here you've got stray dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was just like, these, there's no stakes in these My Little Pony. What if I could just kill die. some of them? Like, I'm sick of looking at these things. Like, I mean, those jobs at IDW, I, I mean, I'm sure they're great. They're godsend. They're not your story, I would like to, to assume. Yeah, I was just drawing those for the most part. I think I wrote like in the out of the 50 or so issues of Milo Pony that I drew, I think I wrote two of them or three. Sure. So, uh, so for the most part, it was just, you know, work for hire, drawn stories, but it was like, you know, a uh, paid comic book school, you know, like I just sort of went in there and I told stories for, you know, I drew 50 comics in ponies. I drew a bunch of star Wars comics and, you know, like, so I was sort of just like learning on the job. And I feel like we took a lot of that stuff and put it right into stray dogs. Like, the the storytelling in Stray Dogs, the the breakdowns, the thumbnails and stuff, that was all like the the way we did it was I would do I would write the script and then I would do thumbnails and send those to Tone. And then Tone would flesh that out into a more uh detailed backgrounds and he would just leave the dogs out 
Um, and then Trish would, would go in and, and like populate the thing with dogs and do all the acting and stuff like that. So it was a really unique prem, like a uh, workflow for, for how we made this thing. But it, well, it's sort of like all of us doing, taking the stuff that we were really good at and, and putting it into one thing. That's an incredible process. Usually it is the penciler does the pencils. And if you need to shift, shift styles, you figure out how to do it, but it's all in. Uh, I thought that Tone was responsible for the layouts, but in this, it seems like he's responsible for the location and the settings and the character blocking was done by, uh, by Trish. And, and it's almost like a film workflow as much as it was a comic book yeah. workflow. That's really fascinating. Yeah, it was it was a real weird way to do it. And it sort of developed organically. Um, Tone and I had, well, we worked together in a studio for years before Stray Dogs. Um, and we would do projects together. Sometimes it would be like he would do layouts or he I would do layouts. We would sort of like just whoever was, you know, whoever could pitch in on whatever part of a thing. And we would take on like these group projects. Um, and then I did this book called Time Shopper right before um, Stray Dogs. Uh, and that was with a buddy of mine named Christian Misi, who's a caricature artist and who has done a lot of comic stuff. But on this one, he like he felt uh, like he wanted uh, a boost on the on like the the storytelling and the backgrounds and stuff like that. And so we for that one, we hired Tone to do layouts and he did full like traditional layouts like you would like you would normally think of them. Uh, but his are so detailed. Like he's, he's a maniac. He, he just goes crazy. on them. So we called it the same thing on stray dogs, but eventually um, him even drawing the, like he would just do his thing and go crazy on it. But I had very specific ideas about the pacing and the, and the shots and stuff. So I, I would do thumbnails and then he would go crazy on his, on his layouts. And so, we could have just called it backgrounds and originally he was drawing the dogs too, but that would get in Trish's head. And she was just like, well, I already see what the dog looks like. It's hard for me to, to like draw my own take on this when it's right there. So we just ended up just leaving them out of there. Or I would just draw little stick figure dogs where it wouldn't confuse anybody. Any, so yeah, it was very strange, uh, very strange process. When I explain it to other comic artist friends, they're just like, why the fuck did you do that? Like, <laughs> as, a, as a filmmaker, it makes sense. As a filmmaker, yeah. especially this story, which is about, uh, I mean, it feels like a fish out of water story in a sense that these are animated looking cartoonish characters. They're cute. They're lovable. They're put in a very dark place. And so to have somebody handle the dark tone of the environment and have someone else handle the lighter, cute tone of the characters, I think that that separation is is incredible. And part of the alchemy that's led, it lent itself to a really awesome tone in your book. Um, and not a pun for my friend, Tone Rodriguez. I love you, Tone. Uh, but, 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 but I think, I think it's been incredible. And uh, in Geekscape, you can find Stray Dogs on any comic book shelf. You can definitely order it online. And then there's Stray Dogs, Do Stray Dogs Dog Days, which is uh, a bunch of single issues collected into a trade. You're going to want both of them. You're going to want to re read the first Stray Dogs first. Uh, and I'm guessing because I love it. I'm sure people love it. Tony, is there going to be a follow-up uh, for the three of y'all coming up soon? Uh, yeah, we're working on something right now. Uh, so hopefully this time next year, I would guess. We, we want to... It'll probably be longer than Stray Dogs. I mean, it'll definitely be longer than Stray Dogs. It is a Stray Dogs story, though. It's a... 
it's not called Stray Dogs. It's in the same, like it's animals and it's a horror story. And it's, so it's, it'll, people who like Stray Dogs will be set like happy with this for sure. I'm excited. To think, hear, yeah, no, I'm, I'm stoked to hear from it or, or hear more about it. Uh, I honestly was open to this book as well. And, and I don't want to create competition for you, but Dark Horse has that Evan Dorkin book, mm-hmm. uh, Beast of Burden, which is, I mean, Jill Thompson's doing this beautiful art style on it. Geekscape is, it is a different book. And I'm not saying buy one or the other. You, you, you're going to want to buy both. Um, Stray Dogs, because Tony came on the show. I haven't invited Evan on the show, but <laughs> obviously Milk and Cheese made me a nihilist in high school. Um, right. But uh, Beast of Burden is a similar book, but that's a different pitch. Beast of Burden has a magical element to it. The dogs communicate like humans, and they have some of them have magic abilities. That is more like if Homeward Bound took place around a, a Hellmouth from Buffy, and these there's there's a lot of supernatural things going on in Beast of Burden. They're totally very different books. Um, doesn't have an animated style. This one, Stray Dogs, is the one that. Uh, you're going to want to pick up. You're going to want to pick up both, but this is the one that you're going to want to pick up thanks to Tony being on our show. And it's got, you're not going to be able to miss it. It's got that animated style and that, and it just gets darker. I love it. Uh, and Jim Pellegrinelli over in New York says, is anybody developing this for an animated show? Because I can't think of a streamer that couldn't make a good home for this. Uh, pardon the pun and making a home for it. Uh, Jim has also, I think, uh, kidnapped some people before, but so he knows what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> nobody right now we originally sold the uh we we optioned it to paramount when the book was right before the book started coming out um and they had it for a while but uh, hollywood is bizarre right now so uh we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens uh it's always it's always somebody's always looking at it or you know, my manager's always sending it somewhere so we'll see what happens i imagine it'll be something at some point we sort of uh made the book exactly what we wanted the story to be so that whatever else happens after that is like, well, I hope they make something with it, but the, the story exists at like exactly how I want it to exist right now. So anything else after that is, it seems like it's a, would be a, you know, gravy. Like we're, I'm real happy with how the book came out and Trish did such a great job and tone and Brad Simpson, the colorist. So it's just like, uh, I, I can't imagine it's too much to to hope that there would be some other, you know, some other thing after that. Yeah. Maybe, uh, probably, I don't know. In, in Geekscape, when something like Mouse Guard is over at Fox, or speaking of Viacom, the home of Paramount, when Jeff Smith's bone is at Nickelodeon for so long, and, the, and you know, these, and, and I know I'm specifically talking about animated, like animation friendly or kind of more cartoon friendly, cute books but these are ones that have been optioned by major studios and they sometimes die on the vine i mean the the mouse guard story haunts me because seeing that some of that beautiful artwork that was created for mouse guard over at fox and was just kind of i mean absorbed i think in the disney there's only one room for one mouse over at disney once they <laughs> bought fox and, yeah. and sadly it's not the mouse guard uh folks but it's snakes damn and then then you've got I mean the, the 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 cancellation of Jeff Smith's bone over at Nickelodeon after or, or I mean in Geekscape don't quote me on this stuff I probably shouldn't be founding it like I like it's fact but uh, but how is that one not the one that, that that has been made over the last twenty years I mean bone is the kind of the gold standard for a lot of this stuff um, as it's real crazy like it, it is such a different world um, 
that it seems like it like something can be an enormous hit in comics, like like the way Bone is. I mean, Bone's a hit in books just in general, you know, outside of comics. Outside yeah. of the, Scholastic it, probably makes tons off of it. Yeah. Right. Um, and and Mouse Guard, the same thing. Stray Dog sold incredibly well, but you know, to Hollywood, they their metrics are so different. They it doesn't even there's not even a algorithm set up for them to figure out like what a successful comic means to a you know to a movie going audience. I think it's just they know if it's a Marvel or a DC thing, they know what that audience is, and then everything else they're just like. And they didn't always know Geekscape. It's like we, we all sat through the 90s. Uh, they did not always know that those Marvel ones were going to become hits. Uh, um, so talk to me about like your history of it. Um, we talked about the IDW books being uh, a bit of a, a grad school for comics for you. And, and some, you know, obviously some financial sustenance to get you in the game, keep you in the game. Um, I like. I love Tone, and, and you probably worked with Chris Moreno and those guys over at the studio. Um, but before that, you had that book, In My Lifetime, 2006. This yeah. seems like a Fortune and Glory type thing. Remember, that was the book that Bendis did before he landed over at Marvel. Uh, autobiographical. I also I also love the stuff that Jeff Lemire did up in Canada when he was doing stuff like um, Essex County uh is it in my lifetime i'm not familiar with the book is it kind of like your essex county is kind of your autobiographical let's put it on paper comic uh yeah. telling of your life yeah that's my first book um and it was at the time i was reading uh american splendor a lot because that oh God. Uh, classic I'm, <laughs> I'm not super i'm not like super hip so i i didn't read american splendor before the movie came out but there was sort of like a autobio uh like uh, explosion that was going on around them too. Cause there was that there was Jeffrey Brown stuff was really popping in the, in the early two thousands. Um, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Craig Thompson blankets was a big deal back then. It was sort of like a lot of early 2000 indie stuff was autobio. Uh, James Kolchaka was doing like his diary comics. Former Geekscape um, guest. We just had him on late last year, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah. James, James uh, is great. Uh, there was an artist named uh, Liz Prince who did this book that I really liked called Will You Still Love Me If I Wet the Bed? There's just like a lot of sort of like early 2000s, like cute sort of like uh, like emo comics. Like, Thanks, like Ghost those. World. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, at the time I was doing a lot of, uh, like I had gone to art school and I got my first job in art i was a graphic designer at a tv station um and i worked there for I, I guess at this point when i started making this comic i'd worked there for probably about four or five years six years and i was just like well i guess i'm either gonna do this forever or i'll you know actually try and make comics and i've been reading comics my whole life and and like when i was growing up i either wanted to make comics or be like an animator like make make disney cartoons and I went to college to be an animator. And while I was there, I was like, I don't think I, I don't think this is for me. So I was sort of just sort of uh, figuring out what I was going to be as a grown up in my early twenties. Um, and I was doing a lot of like online, like message board culture. I was on the Bendis board a lot, and there was a real creative um, spirit there. Like he was, he made indie comics. He made Fortune and Glory, you know, and, and so there were people that came there just because they loved Spider-Man or Daredevil. 
but there are also people there because they love fortune and glory or they like like goldfish or you know his, his jinx world stuff um and so there was a lot of people making their own stuff and it was just a real fertile time um and i could draw and i had never really written anything outside of like you know, school um but all this stuff that i was seeing i was just like i don't know if like there's a lot of collaboration going on and people, you know, making books with other people online. And I, I just didn't really link up with anybody that I was just like, this person has exactly my taste or has exactly like, I, I didn't find anybody that was like my exact match. And so I was just like, well, I tell stories all the time, you know, like I, I go out and things happen to me and then I'll, I can't wait to tell somebody, you know, the story or figure out like the best angle to tell the story from or, um, and so I just wrote down a few of those stories, like, like as if I was at the bar, uh, just telling, you know, my friends what happened to me at the doctor or what happened to me on a date or whatever. Um, and, and then I drew those and it ended up being like a 30 page, you know, one shot with, with a bunch of short stories in it. Um, and I took the, the, my friends from the comic store were like, you should print up a, like an ash can of that and take it to wizard world Chicago with this. Cause I was in the, t at the time I was in the Midwest in South Dakota. Did you grow up around there? Where did, where did you grow up? I grew up in Colorado and I went to art school there and then I moved to South Dakota and I lived there for the six years while I was working at the TV station. Damn. Uh, South Dakota, a whole lot to do there or just, just draw comics, <laughs> uh, drink, <laughs> work, get into mischief. Uh, yeah, you're either drawing comics to get out, or you're gonna die there. Yeah, <laughs> they wow. had a they had a great comic store there, Rainbow Comics. Uh, I would go, to, I know, I'd go down there a couple times. In South a week Dakota. And, yeah, they're gonna get a trash can through their window with that name. <laughs> <laughs> you be careful yeah. in South Dakota with your Rainbow Comics, boy. Listen, it's in <laughs> Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yeah, That's okay, the, you know, a little the, bigger. They probably have a college yeah, there, some educated Dakota. folks. <laughs> the Portland of South Dakota. Don't push it to uh, rainbow comics. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I we went out to Wizard World Chicago, and uh, I gave that thing to like all my favorite creators, and I gave it to all like the small press publishers and and publishers that we talked to, and just sort of like, hey, I'm you know I'm thinking about making comics, basically. Like you've gone to Comic Cons, you see people passing out their stuff. We have a booth there every summer, including this coming summer, where we would love to host uh, Tony to to come and sign issue, you know, issues. If you don't got space for you one day, over at, at Image, just come down the hallway, we, down the aisle. We are a few rows uh, from Image, and we've got a. Nice ten by ten right there for for signing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, it'd be we'll fun. It'd be fun. Uh, but, um, so, so, so yeah, how many Ashkins? How many Ashkins you make up at the local Kinkos? You're doing this at Kinkos? Oh, Where are you doing a hundred of these things? It was, okay, it was Kinkos. I made a hundred. I guessed um, it was actually Kinkos. Yeah, yeah, of course. Dude, did you come out of like punk rock zine culture and all that? Is that kind of where you're getting this DIY kind of nature? Or no, what was but I. But I had made, you know, like in high school, anytime I had a project or something, I would make comics then. Like I had made a bunch of mini comics before this, uh, you know, just. But zine style. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly like zine style. I mean, it was, I graduated in 97. So zines were everywhere. And and so you definitely. We're the you same know, age, you and I. We come from the same, we're cut from the same like cultural cloth of the, the yeah. 90s. Yeah. So yeah, you couldn't miss how to, how to put together, you know, uh, a zine like that. Um, the. The, the the long stapler army <laughs> oh yeah yeah and and it just it carried me into directing 
you know, but, but booking those local shows uh, in Austin, like the basement shows and that stuff, like, you know, when I got to college, it was like time to go to radio and do it on radio and have, have bands come play radio. And then when moving out to LA, when you wanted to point at cameras and stuff, like you go right into music videos, knowing all those bands. And uh, a lot of the, a lot of the times you're just putting that a production to me is no different than putting on an indie show or any, you know, it's like, you still got to find like, who's got a PA, who's got a basement we can borrow. Who's got a rec center we can borrow. And, um, and the same kind of stuff goes into production. Like it's amazing how much like tape and glue and fishing line. I th- we literally used fishing line three weeks ago on a, on a music video, fairly well-sized music video. And <laughs> they turned to me, and uh, they go, Jonathan, so how are we going to get this door to open magically? Uh, oh, that alarm means that there it is. Matt Kelly just added another podcast to the Geekscape Network. I think we're we're at like <laughs> 50,000 now. Um, no, we use Fishing Line on this music video to open a door yeah. magically in a void. And it, that's how you do it. So the zine culture helps. Um, who are some of the yeah, comics are the same. It's like three people instead of eight. Yeah, who yeah. are those creators? Like, if you you're going to Wizard World of Chicago, I want to find your influences. Like, who are those creators that that you were like, I have to get this ash can to this person because they were such an influence on me? Or does it make sense? Like, yeah. like who got you into comics? What voices did you I mean, hear that you needed to, to that inspired you? At that one, I definitely remember uh, like. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis was a big deal to me at that time. This was like 2005. So he was just like on fire. Uh, um, and, and like, I hadn't read anybody that wrote characters like that before, like, like humans in, in, in superhero comics. And I hadn't gone deep enough in, in like uh, black and white comics. Like I had my, my few that I really loved, but I hadn't gone, I hadn't found anybody that wrote. Yeah. People that talk like humans like that. Um, so he he was a big deal. I remember I gave one to Frank Miller. I'm sure he did not give a shit at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Frank. Um, I think we saw him a few years later at the 2008 uh, Scream Awards or Neptune Awards or Saturn Awards or something. Like I just remember, yeah. like he he wanted nothing to do with the Geekscape interview. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's fine. We got Stan, and we created a great, beautiful friendship with Stan for the rest of his life. But uh, Frank wasn't going to have it. <laughs> I don't remember if Stan Lee was there. I, I I met him at other shows. I don't think I gave him one of my books. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we, like we gave one to Joe Casada. Uh, he's he's wonder he's he's friendly and receptive. I believe no, that's how I found him. I found yeah. him to be great. Yeah. Um, and the, but then there were like podcasters, like uh, the guys who would be around comics were just starting up around then. I don't know if you remember that show, the I Fanboys. Um, do you remember, you know, Ron over at, at Image who yeah. does some of the, the convention stuff? Like, he started with yeah, that iFanboy stuff. We ca- we came up together, Ron and the iFanboys. I still talk to Connor a little bit online, but those it, and those are great kids that are now adults with families. Right, yeah. Great, great grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if those guys were there, but I know that Round Comics guys were, were Chicago guys, so they mm-hmm. were definitely that show. Um I'm pretty sure I gave it to like Jim Mahfood was inspirational to me at that time for sure. Um, yeah, it's all kinds of people, but like, as far as like before that coming up, the people that really inspired me to, to make uh, my own stuff were the image guys. 
and it was David Lapham, Straight Bullets, and it was Terry Moore, Strangers in Paradise, and it was uh, this sort of like group of uh, like there was like a lot of guys who were just barely grownups, you know, like kids who were just making their own comics and putting stuff out. And and a lot of those guys, I just remember uh, just being enraptured by the idea that like, you know, Joe Matarera started working at Marvel when he's 15 years old or something, you know, it's incredible. Chad was drawing young blood when he was, you know, nine and a half years old. And, and Dave Laffham for me, I think that first stray bullets comic, the 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 not the collected book is great. I think the whole series is awesome. Geekscape is Dave Laffham is one of my favorite writers. I've not only suggested Straight Bullets to all of you all over the years, but even his Daredevil Punisher series that he drew and wrote is fantastic. Um, I think I lost your visual, Tony, but I can still hear you. I believe. I'm here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dave Laffham is one of the only other people that I've gotten an autograph from. It's you who autographed my copy of Local Man. And Dave Laffham, and what I'm putting together from you, because you told me Terry Moore as well, is that being able to, and I'm I'm guessing Ed Brubaker's on the list as well, being able to hear a character distinctively as a human and as a person and to have that pathos is big with you. Because those are things that writers like Terry Moore who I asked once, I said, hey, Terry, you got to help me with these female characters. How do you write them? And he, and he just looked at me and says, have you ever uh, been, you know, you ever met a, a woman? Let me see how he said it. He says, you ever had a, a disagreement with a, a woman? And he said, yeah. And he goes, were they ever wrong? And I said, no, not really. And he goes, that's how you write them. <laughs> I remember that. I remember Terry saying that to me, but Dave Laffham for me, is someone who has not gotten his due for the fantastic work he has done. And I think Stray Bullets is an overlooked gem as a body of work. And it is a large body of work. Dave Laffham is someone who I was nervous to meet and get an autograph from. Oh yeah. I never have. I like, I've been in at conventions where he's at and I don't even go around him Cause I'm just like, I, he I was at collectors paradise up at Winnetka for Ed up uh-huh. there, who runs Connect Collectors, and I went up there. And I was like, "Ed, can you introduce me to Dave Laffham?" And I went up there sh- with my hands shaking. Yeah, like, Ed, uh, Dave, can you sign this for me? Because I needed an, a Dave Laffham autograph. He was the, one of the only creators I've asked for an autograph. Yeah, I bought some some pages from him, so I'm I'm good. I don't. <laughs> I feel like he's so, like he's so influential to me, and he's so great that like there's there's nothing that could be gained by me, you know, looking like an idiot in front of him or trying, you know, Oh, I leave the house like that. So anything else, <laughs> yeah, if you, listen, this is, here's my life hack, leave the house like an idiot. So anything embarrassing right. you do in public, ain't no thing, but a chicken wing. Interesting. Or, or, or do it on a podcast <laughs> for 15, yeah. 16 years. Well, speaking of people I've gotten to autograph my comics, we got to talk local man, because let's do it. It yeah. all makes sense. Now knowing those influences, those writers, those influences, that this book, Local Man, the heart that it has and the believability, it is a totally different book than Stray Dogs. And Geekscape, you're going to want to buy both. Local Man 1 is on uh, stands now. you got to beg your, your comic book store to get it for you. Um, and uh, I thought it was awesome and very similar to the Dave Laffham stuff in that this character... You don't know much about him. He's sitting on a on a bus bench at the beginning of the book outside a small town, South Dakota much. And he's coming home. And 
you know, he puts his thumb out for two people to come pick him up in a pickup truck or they stop by and say, hey, the bus ain't coming. It, you know, it's never it hasn't come in a long time. And he asked for a ride. I won't go to the details of the geeks use, but they basically like find out who he is. And they're like, dude, you got to buzz off when he comes into town. The first place he goes is home. His parents aren't happy to see him. And then when he goes to the local bar, they're not happy to see him. And you learn that he had a history as a 90s image style superhero and something went bad you don't know it yet geekscape is not as of issue one but something's going down with the history that he had with this superhero book and he is down and out back home as a like a loser has been and you feel it's awesome oh thank you yeah we uh so it's me and tim seeley we write the book together and we draw the book together um i do the the we call it the farmington side because it takes place in this uh made up town called Farmington, Wisconsin. Um, and Tim Seeley draws the the superhero side. So every issue is like a flip book, like, like image comics used to be, or like Youngblood specifically was and brigade was um, where, th- where there's a story on one side and then you flip it over and there's an upside down story on the back. Um, and so what we wanted to do was tell a story about like, yeah, what happens to, to one of these characters after they're done being this guy, you know, like, I, like, uh, we Tim and I are both such big fans of like the energy of those '90s image comics, and we both we're he's about the same age as us too, and so we we sort of came up in that time, and and so it means something different to us than I think like like new people who discover it. It means like it's different for them, and it definitely the generation before us thought that it was just like pure nonsense, mm-hmm. and so it's like a real specific era of creators who are who are sort of coming around now that that like those books meant everything to us and so it's just sort of like well what can we do that says something about those books without being like a, a, a just a pastiche or or like fan a, service a parody or 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 that yeah we're just trying to do like there have been the like books or anthologies where it's just like people doing their version of like the, the energy that came from those but we sort of thought what if we took all the energy out? <laughs> yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if instead of being extreme, it was just very serene and tranquil? Um, and uh, but we sort of got into the heart of these characters and got down to sort of like what happens to somebody who had been at the top of the world and and they had to sort of come crashing back down to the bottom. I think it's awesome. The scene where he comes home and his parents have like eaten dinner without him and are like. Yeah, we, we kind of like gave your room to, you know, like this isn't your room. Yeah. Like, we're going to make put you in the basement. The dog is taking his chair. Uh, again, I, I see those influences on you. And not to say that you're, that you're not holding your own. I mean, you are doing a great job of putting these characters uh, in the, inhabiting them in, in a realistic way. Even if this person has superpowers, he has kind of like a, a bullseye type of ability to, to hit targets, I'm guessing, uh, from yeah. the scene where he goes into the bar and he's playing darts. Nobody wants him to even be there. He's like, hey, can I play pool with you all? They're like, get lost. He sees an ex-flame in there, Geekscapus. I won't spoil it for you. I think that first issue of Local Man is one of the, my favorite things that I've been reading. I thought that thing was great. I can't wait for oh, issue two. Uh, but as Tony said, uh, Tim Seeley, who I'm a fan of as well, is working on this book with them. Uh, if you're watching this on uh, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, you're going to see some of the artwork I'm putting up from the book. This is art that uh, Tony did. 
And it's the kind of like now storyline of this character post his superhero team kind of down and out back home. Uh, It's very realistic. It reminds me of the Ed Brubaker stuff that he does with Phillips uh, in books like Criminal and and, uh, Fade Out, etc. It's really cool. It's realistic. It also reminds me of the stuff Kirkman was doing in that... uh, the, you know uh, who is that Paul who does uh, Paul Azateca I love Paul yeah. Azateca and I think that, that that book he did with Kirkman is awesome and I think the stuff I'll read anything that Paul draws because that that stuff is so realistic and well blocked you know yeah, does that make sense yeah, yeah, Outcast his, his, great his staging book. is great his layouts are great mm-hmm. um, yeah those that, that art is colors by Brad Simpson too who, who also colors Stray Dogs so here um, we have this amazing one side of the book, and then you flip it over. There's a smaller story that Tim Seeley is responsible for doing the artwork for, and it looks like an image book. And how can you not be in love with this? <laughs> <laughs> it's nostalgia at its best. If it was up to me, like I always say, this I I would be happy if the whole thing was just looked like this. Like I'm like I feel like Tim could draw the 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 down and out Midwest side too, and he could do this. Like I just. I, like that's what comics look like to me when I close my eyes, you know, they look like, you know, big steroid. <laughs> guys Absolutely. Like, scantily clad ladies and p- people with like laser hands and they don't have pupils, you know, like that's, that's what I want to see. Um, but t- like when we first started talking about this, that was the sort of the real excitement was like, let's do flip books like image used to, but have them be the, the, current time and then the flashback and have them sort of inform each other and we'll sort of like set up mysteries in the in the ongoing part in the front and then people can flip it over and they can find little tastes of like how we got there or or sort of like set up backstory and stuff so that's that's basically what you're getting in this every issue has a, a a major like the main part of the book is written and drawn by me and tim seeley it's written by me and tim seeley and drawn by me and then the back part is drawn by by Tim and written by the both of us. Um, but yeah, I, and I feel like it's a like you agree, like it fits together nicely, like it works well. And the art style in this like Liefeld Wiltsportacio style, it 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 places the book. You don't have to put mid nineties on anything. It doesn't yeah. even need that slug line telling you when this took place because that artwork is so specific. Yeah. to that era of comics that you know this is mid 90s and now you have somebody current and uh tim and uh, i love tim it jokes that it's the, it's the only time his art doesn't look dated <laughs> <laughs> i think it's awesome how did you link up with tim and and how did you, how did this book come together because we talked about how stray dogs came together how, how did this book come together uh we had we had known each other through friend i think we met through chris moreno um and we had known each other for a few years uh, and we were at a convention together uh, just when Stray Dogs was either about to come out or I don't remember if Tim had read it at the time. He may have read it, um, but we were just sort of sitting next to each other. And Norm Ratman from Extreme Studios was next to us, too. Um, he's an inker at Extreme. And uh, he brought a page in from Brigade Number 1, which Brigade wow. was like the first image comic that wasn't drawn by an image founder. It was Matt Michaels. Um, but he was, uh, he was super green at the time. And it was, so it was Matt Michaels, first comic and it was Norm Ratman's first comic. And at the time 
uh, Rob Liefeld had gone in and redrawn all the faces. So if you look at Brigade Number One, you see like very Rob Liefeldy faces, and then everything else is just like something off a little bit. And that uh, was around the time that that Rob was preparing with Jim to come back to Marvel for Heroes Reborn. Oh no, no, uh, this was this was after. like early, early image. This was oh right way before. Movie. That's uh, yeah, like okay. First year. Okay, because yeah. I remember so Brigade like, still being on. I remember Brigade being on the charts for comic sales. I worked at a comic store in 1995, mm-hmm. I remember when that Heroes Reborn came out. Right before it, all those titles that were Heroes Reborn were in the dumpster, and then Heroes Reborn skyrocketed them to number ones. But books like Brigade were high on the charts. Yeah, yeah, those were well, selling. Brigade sold like crazy when it first came out. It was the so it was would have been the seventh Image comic basically. Wow. Right? And Jim Pagrani says, look at those costumes in Tim Seeley's art of the 90s style. He goes, they're so loud in 90s, they're giving me tinnitus. <laughs> he loves that look. And then Neelu says, does that dude have 14-pack abs? Yeah, well. Trying to a... squeeze every ab in there we could. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, sorry, we saw this original artwork. Sorry. Uh, we saw this original artwork from Brigade, and it had these Rob Liefeld faces you could lift up and down. And just like, it's, we just sat there, me and Tim, looking at that. And just marveling about like, God, imagine what it was like those guys making comics back then and like, be you know, being these, you know, like 22 year old millionaires and just sort of like and and we we were so wrapped up in those comics and inspired by them. Just sort of like seeing that piece of original art really sparked uh, like something creative in both of us. And we we didn't start talking right then and there, but we did sort of say, like, we got to work on something at some point. And then pretty soon after that, Tim emailed me and said, what if we did? a thing that's like a 90s image comic meets like a 90s vertigo comic and that was the sort of what we were talking about this as when we first started making it and it sort of it eventually evolved into like a 90s image comic uh meets like a like a crime comic basically like an ed brubaker crime comic or like a you know uh or like a got hopefully a david lapham crime comic oh my god (laughs) that's a but it's those things that all I love them both equally. Like I was buying Gen 13 and Stray Bullets on the same Wednesday. And to me, they went together, you know, like the, they're two sides of the same thing. So it was just about figuring out a way to tell a story where we could put those two things together. I think it's awesome. And in Geekscape, it's like um, I had to get Tony on the show because um, Stray Dogs, you've heard it. I'm a fan. But when I left uh, that signing where I went, I came to be like, hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast. It was one of the big downpour days here in Los Angeles. And I didn't care. I was going to go through the rain and I was going to ask Tony to be on the podcast uh, because I was a big Stray Dogs fan. I came home over the course of that weekend. I read this uh, local man and I immediately started telling my friends about it and saying, hey, guys, this is a book that you might overlook because it's not of the big, it's not Marvel. It's not uh dc and sometimes the indies are hit or miss this one's a hit and uh and what i like is that the there's more time spent with the characters building them as people and the plot is i'm gonna say my favorite filmmaker link later like it's plot proof in the fact that just hanging out with this character in the situation is interesting enough and then the mystery is slowly unwinding um and I love that you flip the book over and you see his relationship with his nineties image style team. And you start to say, okay, so that's the character that was referenced in the other side of the book. 
this is where they were. Okay, let's see what happened to this team. What happened to this character? And I like the slow burn where these two stories are going to meet in the middle and hopefully you get a big revelation. And if not, Geekscapist, if, if you're not now with this book when it's all collected, I don't know what to tell you because the ride is pretty damn good to begin with. Big fan of Tony Fleece uh, starting with that that issue, man. Stray Dogs was cool. Glad I read it. Tone's a friend. For sure was going to buy every issue. This is the book that made me a Tony Fleece fan. No offense. Uh, awesome. Like, no craziness. What if yeah. we didn't have it lead to anything? It's not too late. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> You just abandon our plans to to have the plot resolve and just have no. them sort of hang out. I would fucking love to do that. I don't. Just I don't. Be just I don't, vibing. Just superhero ex superheroes. I'm down. Vibing. I'm down with that. Uh, I think uh, our good friend Ralph Oppel and and Taylor Morden hit me up, and they were they're doing this new. I can talk about it because it just got announced. This documentary on Lost. Taylor did Last Blockbuster and a couple other documentaries that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they just got announced in Variety on Wednesday this new Lost documentary about the, the Lost thing. And Ralph had hit me up a couple months ago saying, hey, Jonathan, we're, we're working on this Lost documentary. I'm trying to find people to interview. And we're doing, and I'm going to be, you know, Taylor's going to be in LA during this window. And speaking of Lost, I think Lost is one of those shows that if people are upset with the ending, I know I was like, oh, no, it didn't end. You got to respect the fact that that show was really damn good and it had some phenomenal episodes, some of the best of TV ever. And if you didn't like the ending, who cares? Cause the damn ride was pretty good. So you're going to read this local man because I told you to read this local man. And if it all comes and done and you don't like the bow that's tied on at the end of it, who cares? Cause you just got some great books. I don't know what to tell you too bad. Go write your own damn comic. That's what Tony did. I think we got a, <laughs> I think we got a pretty okay ending. We're working. Okay. It. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah, it, I, I I would be just as happy to just have you know just have five six seven eight issues of just you know superheroes kicking it, uh you know be, being mean to each other and stuff like that. I, I don't the trouble like the trick I think is in something like this is this guy's downtrodden and how to make it just not a bummer. You know, like you want to you want to sort of identify with this guy, but also not have it just be like endlessly bleak. Uh, and I sure. think like something we're sort of uh, working our best to figure out, you know, that's, that's what the trick of this thing has been. It's just like, we want this guy to be constantly shit upon, but also just not, you know, he's sort of like Charlie Brown. Like you just want him to be, to be somebody that, that everybody fucks with all the time, but also he sort of has this something inside of him that makes him for whatever reason, want to keep going. Well, Geekscape is in the first issue, one of the final panels of that, uh, the modern current day storyline in his hometown uh, involves his team. And I'm not going to tell you, but there's a look back in that, in that sequence. And it, it could have just easily been the scene, but there's one panel that is a look back from one of his former team members and they connect and it's a glimmer of hope. And I think if, as long as those things are populated in there, we're going to keep turning the pages and, and keep going on, on this book. I thought it, I, I don't think you're in any worry of it being too much. It's too much fun to read to worry about uh, it being too down and out. Jim Pagranelli says, Jonathan, the way you're talking about local man's story structure and chronology reminds me of the two TV shows I have a great love for lost. We spoke about and then yellow jackets, which also has yeah. a modern day flashback yeah. storyline. And that's fantastic. That's about to get the season two starting up there. You convince me I need to be reading it. Well, with that geekscape, I think my job here is done. I've Hang convinced Jim Poganelli to buy another comic book. 
Thanks, Jim. Um, <laughs> Jim's fantastic. I, I've been friends with Jim for over two decades at this point. He was the first person to, to greet me when I went up to Columbia University to, to look at where I was going to grad school. I was like, hey, I'm going to school here. Is there anything I need to know? He's like, have you talked to the housing office yet? I was like, no. He's like, it's too late for you to get housing. You got to get over there right now. And so I race across campus to the housing <laughs> office and I finally got housing. But Jim's the one who lit that fire under my pants and he's been a dear friend ever since he saved me from being homeless in New York during my grad school years. Uh, <laughs> Tony, um, anything else we got to plug here? Cause th- those two books are awesome. Stray dogs and local man. Uh, no, I mean, I think probably FOC is over right now, but if you work at a comic store and you're listening to this or watching it live, uh, you can order the second printing up until the end of today. Uh, local man issue one, uh, we sold through the first printing and, and we're doing a second printing at FOCs today. Um, second issue comes out uh, at the end of the month, so in a couple weeks here. And then we're just wrapping up issue three and working on four and five. So, uh, yeah, just check out Local Man. If you didn't read Stray Dogs, Stray Dogs is available at every all your finest comic book stores. You can go to cheapgraphicnovels.com or even Amazon if you must. Um, and, yeah, you, please, please check out my books. I would appreciate that. Like, uh, and I and- appreciate Oh, uh, you have ahead, me on sir. here to talk about it, dude. Of course, I love it. I love it, and uh, and we have enough mutual friends that it, it, the, the the stalker nature of my approach to have you on the show, I hope, has receded to just creepy, just a guy in the neighborhood, you know, no, 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 just a local. I'm just a local man at this point. Uh, just mm-hmm. a just another kicked up just another has been. Um, if we want to follow you online and have you uh, onto our podcasts, <laughs> where should people follow you? You can harass me to come on your podcasts at, uh, at Tony Fleece on uh, Twitter is the easiest. Instagram, uh, I'm on Facebook, but that's a lot of uh, just me and my aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff. Uh, uh, you can go to TonyFleece.com or StrayDogsComic.com, and there's a mailing list on both of those you can sign up for. So if you're just like, I don't want to hear what this guy has to say every day, but if there's something major happening, I'd like to know about it. That's the best place to to stay up to date on that type of stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. Amazing. Geekscape is, you know where to find us. Just search for Geekscape. You can find us on any podcatcher and you're probably going to find a couple podcasts from the Geekscape network because in that little, what's the show about? It probably says member of the Geekscape network. We have upwards of 30 shows at this point covering everything from pro wrestling to music to, um, I don't know what else we got. We got filmmaking up in here and, uh, this flagship show, which started it all, which is no longer the most popular show on the network by far. Um, I'm very proud of our shows and I'm very, I love seeing them like climb in numbers and seeing all the success. Um, this show uh, will be back next week for a brand new episode. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's other stuff. So just keep watching this space, sharing Geekscape with your friends and leave us those five-star reviews and tell us that you enjoyed Tony. Go Reach out to him on social media. Let him know. I loved you on Geekscape. That was great. Um, looking forward to Local Man issues one and two. I can't wait till the end of the month to read that issue too. It's awesome. Until uh, next time, Geekscape. Listen, awesome to you right now. <laughs> uh, love you so much. Uh, don't hate create everybody. And see you next time. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.